I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Zaranites, and things to episode 90 of the Muppet Trek Podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And Jarman, what are those? Those are, of course, The Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek The Animated Series now. And this week, we have special get Muppet Show guest Mark Hamill and animated series episode Mud's Passion. <laughs> Before we get to that, German, I hear we have some illustrious and rare feedback. Oh, we do. Um, and we are you know, probably behind for the listener. This came back a while ago, but that we record things a little bit in advance. But our friend in podcasting, Sean Vanderloo of the Soul Forge, Cosmic Pizza, and Epsilon 3 podcasts, he commented on episode 88 with Muppet guest star Anne Murray. Um, and he says, I'll tell you what, love the mention in this episode, because we mentioned him being Canadian as well, because Anne Murray is a Canadian icon, he says. Why? Yeah. No, no clue. She's just always been a part of the background. I don't know anything <laughs> about her. <laughs> he said, see also Gordon Lightfoot and Rita McNeil, big stars from back in the day, possibly because there weren't too many, LOL. <laughs> um, and I responded, well, it's cold up there. I get it. Yeah. And I, I, actually, my mom was obsessed with Gordon Lightfoot growing up. We'd always listen to him on road trips, and he just put me to sleep because he's so lightly singing like this, very quiet songs. <laughs> <laughs> so I know him too well. Oh, yeah. But that was fun. Thanks, John. I appreciate the feedback. And uh, so, Steve, tell us about the Muppet guest star. Who is this Mark Hamill guy? <laughs> Mark Hamill was well, an American actor best known for being Luke friggin' Skywalker <laughs> in the Star Wars saga. But what does our audience know him from? He's Luke friggin' Skywalker. <laughs> He's also had a wide and successful career as not only an actor, but a voiceover actor doing voice performance for roles like the Joker, Arnim Zola, and was has been in multiple Transformers projects and even played the scientist in Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Oh, that's right. And uh, he also thing. played the trickster in the original '90s Flash TV show, and in the and in the reboot, the, the one in uh, on CW, he played the trickster again. He came back, and it was really great. It's over the top and hilarious. And he was in the movie The Giver, <laughs> not MacGyver, but The Giver. No, The Giver. It's really funny. They actually, f- with the posters and advertising for the movie, they basically tricked audiences into thinking he was the lead. and then he's like a scientist and another guy who really looks a lot like him is the actual lead of the film that's really funny it's amazing but they like clearly tried to trick the audience but what's the update this week on the Muppet show well backstage luke c3po and r2d2 crash land at the show they're looking for chewbacca's who's been kidnapped is being held by uh strange turkeys uh mark shows up and proves that he's the real song and dance man around here uh, he gargles Gershwin. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. And then uh, both Mark and Luke are running around backstage using clever camera tricks. And eventually the Star Wars guys hijack the, stri- the hijack the swine track. Yes. On stage, 
Kermit introduces a change of guests, Angus McGonagall, the Argyle Gargoyle, who gargles Gershwin, (laughs) uh, won't be performing. Instead, Mark Hamill, but first a musical number. Uh, Some sheep and rams frolic in a meadow, which soon devolves into Ramalama Ding Dong. It's a really cute and upbeat number. I love it. We then get a Muppet News flash about uh, the sheepdog trials, but all of the dogs were found not guilty and the sheep are pissed. (laughs) Uh, Next to take the stage, Angus McGonagall, the Argyle Gargoyle, gargles Gershwin on stage. And he's joined by a very enthusiastic Mark Hamill, who also (laughs) gargles Gershwin until Animal chases them off stage. We then take a trip down under the water with three little fishies. Uh, both the subject and the name of the song. It's actually a really great, like, black screen effect and a really nice number. Mm-hmm. Kermit introduces a song by Scooter. He performs Six String Orchestra about sort of like a small town boy dreaming of playing with a big full band and dreaming of a big mu- music- musical future. Uh, we find ourselves on the swine track manned by Luke, C3PO, and R2D2. Link Hogthrob is outraged. Piggy dotes over Luke and even dresses up like Leia. And Dr. Strange Porks talks to the droids. Uh, but, oh, no, who's there? The dark villain. It's Darth Nader, <laughs> who is clearly gonzo. Uh, we get another news bulletin. The swine track is about to land on a planet, and Venus is about to land on the newsman. And Down Venus on the planet, Luke and the others find themselves. Uh, yeah, not yeah, not even the planet. Um, <laughs> Luke and the others find themselves confronted by Dirth Nader. Luke blast Luke's, Luke's blaster is neutralized, but Chewbacca's there to save the day for some reason. <laughs> Suddenly, Angus is there gargling. Kermit saves the day with a song and dance number. They perform "You Are My Lucky Star." Chewie and R two have a dance interlude. C three PO even struts this stuff a little bit. Luke won't dance, so he sends out Mark instead, who hams it up. And this breaks into When You Wish Upon a Star uh, as a Disney-esque castle rises in the background. And this is such a surreal and prescient moment. Oh, yeah. To see these two very diverse franchises honoring Disney, and they are now both owned by Disney. It's really weird. I thought that same thing. (laughs) Watch just this moment. It is so surreal. Um Kermit uh, stands, uh, thanks Chewbacca, R2, C-3PO, and Luke one more time, even brings out Mark Hamill, who is revealed to be Luke's cousin. Uh, they both ha- take like a kind of a bow, and then uh, Luke can't be there anymore. Like, he hates it. Uh, and that is what we call the Muppet Show. <laughs> so, German, what did you think of this week's episode with Mark Hamill and Star Wars? As it <laughs> Apparently. Because, yeah, they could have said the names of the actors playing C-3PO in, in R2-D2, but because, uh, oh, my God, I'm forgetting his name now, but who plays C-3PO? Um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, I don't remember his name. Oh, but British actor, but he's also, I think he was a dancer before he became C-3PO, so he actually did dance very well in that costume and kind of like a little Gene Kelly type of thing going on there. Um, but I really liked the episode. Yeah, for the little bit of movement he had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I think it was a really cute episode. It was strangely presented, but I it worked eventually. And I simply loved the alliterative gargling gargoyle, <laughs> gargling Gershwin gorgeously. Angus McGonagall, the Argyle gargoyle gargling Gershwin. <laughs> exactly. It was wonderful. And I think oh my God. baby Mark Hamill was just adorable throughout this. He seemed so happy to be there. And like he was just exuding oh my positive gosh. energy. and. <laughs> 
like his dance numbers. It was numbers. so fun to see him like as Luke, so serious, and then him as Mark, just so friggin' excited to be on the Muppet show. Yeah, exactly. Because he's got to be in his 20s, and like he's just thrilled to be there. And you get to see some early um, uses of him being a voice actor later on, doing some impressions. And um, he does an impression yeah, of that's Kermit true. and Fozzie. The Kermit one wasn't as great, but the Fozzie one was really good. Um, the Fozzie one was pretty was pretty right. Yeah. And actually, did, I saw a little behind-the-scenes thing just for that little moment that apparently when he was preparing for that episode, he Jim Henson actually asked him kind of like, what do you want to do on the show? Like, are there things you're good at that you want to showcase? And he says, well, I've been told I do impressions. But he said that sentence in Jim Henson's voice. And Jim Henson legitimately just said back to him, oh, which ones do you do? So they use it in the show because <laughs> Mark Hamill thought it was so funny that he didn't even realize he was doing an impression of him. <laughs> so they made that joke in that moment. Uh, oh, you do impressions? Which ones? Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, Gonzo as Darth Nader was funny. Um, I think overall it was just a fun episode. Having uh, Chewie in the end was nice. A nice surprise. I didn't know if they're going to go for that, but they did. Um, it was yeah, a little- that was a nice payoff. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was a little weird him not having a lightsaber, but I realized they probably couldn't do the effects for that. And also, he might not have really had much of a lightsaber yet after just the first Star Wars movie. So maybe it wasn't really a thing. Well, and he also, he had Han's blaster. He did have Han's blaster. That was so weird. That was Han's blaster. It was so weird. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought Mark brought so much enthusiasm and clearly so much enjoyment. You add that to them playing up Star Wars, which is still you know, highly pop culture even now. Uh, a few good musical numbers and stuff people recognize. I mean, I think this is maybe one of the most successful episodes of this season. I, and I really like the scooter number, too. I think that was adorable, and then it became a big number. That was so sweet. It was really sweet. Well, I love scooter in general, so I think that was awesome. But yeah, for me, definitely an upper episode. We'll have to see what the rest of the season holds, but this is definitely up there for me because it was just... Plus, it's pulling on our Star Wars love and you know that kind of thing. But it was great. True. This is also a rare case where we have somebody who is still very much a alive. Yes. But b been a consistent part of like the nerd cultural zeitgeist for thirty or forty years. Oh now. yeah, exactly. Um, uh, music this week on the show: Rama Lama Ding Dong by recording group The Ed Cells. Uh, it was from the late fifties, and it was originally released under the incorrect name Lama Rama Ding Dong. <laughs> Uh, and it wasn't until three years after it was released that a New York DJ coincidentally used it as a transition song, and it became hugely popular. Hmm. Uh, but it had been out for a while. They thought it was a flop. Um, Summertime by George Gershwin uh, from Porgy and Bess. It was adjusted from a play called Porgy by an American playwright, Dorothy Hayward. She also co-write, co-wrote a play called South Pacific in 1943 that is apparently in no way related to the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Oh. Just a separate play That's called weird. South Pacific. That is strange. Uh, Three Little Fishies. This song actually hit number one in the U.S. Uh, for a group called Kay Kaiser and His Band in uh, 1939. Hmm. Six String Orchestra. This is a song by Harry Chapin. Uh, he's best known for other hits, including uh, Cats in the Cradle. Oh, yeah. His biggest. You Are My Lucky Star from Singing in the Rain. 
Uh, Debbie Reynolds wasn't used to dancing when the filming of Singing in the Rain began, and Gene Kelly was apparently a real asshole about it. <laughs> and Fred Astaire recounts the story of him going into a practice dance studio and finding her crying underneath a piano. Oh, my God. And he had to, like, assure her that all the hard work was going to pay off if she just stuck with it. <laughs> uh, and then When You Wish Upon a Star from the Disney classic Pinocchio, written by Harline and Washington, a test recording of this song was made with actor Cliff Edwards, who played Jiminy Cricket. And at the time, Jiminy Cricket's role wasn't that big. But once Disney's and the producers heard this song, they were like, this is the song from this movie. This is the featured song. And so because of that, Jimmy became the narrator and the, the test recording is what they actually used over the opening credits. Oh, wow. When it was just another song in the movie. Hmm. Um, before someone heard it and went, yes, and that'll be our song forever. Now the German. <laughs> yeah, man, forever. Uh, what, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? Um, I think I'm going to give it to Scooter's six string orchestra number because um, it went from, you know, small him being on a set alone in his bedroom to this giant thing with him, you know, dancing with they were ghosts at first and they become real like performers with him and costumes. And you can see a, their full legs and everything, which I know is always difficult to do. So I think that was a really impressive big number that could have been like a closing number, but it was like all in its own thing. It was pretty awesome. I agree with that. Uh, I'm I'm going to give it to the three little fishies. Once again, it was just well-performed, catchy tune, and um, had that, that cool black screen effect, which I feel like we haven't seen a ton of this season, so that was fun to see again. Yeah, and it was done really well. Uh, so, German, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the animated series? Well, this time we have Mud's Passion. Mm. So the Enterprise is sent to arrest Harry Mudd, who we know and love from the original series, who is now an outlaw, and he's accused of selling fake love potion crystals. And they find him on the mining colony Motherlode, which is a great name. And after trashing the landscape of that planet, the crew gets Harry aboard the Enterprise. Um, and Mudd tells them that he escaped the planet he was imprisoned on with a stolen ship, and in the meantime, he's frauded the people of a planet called Illyria 6 by selling them Starfleet property. And he's in the brig now, but he convinces Nurse Chapel when they're alone to use one of his love crystals on Spock, because he could tell that she had a crush on Spock. And when she agrees and is about to get the love crystal, this allows the force field to be down temporarily, so he secretly steals her phaser in the process, and she is not aware of it, but she puts him back behind the force field. So Nurse Chapel cracks the crystal and rubs it on herself or something, as she was instructed by Mud. And then goes to the, the bridge and touches Mr. Spock. But it doesn't seem to work. It does, seems to have no effect on Spock at the time. Um, but apparently it's just because he's a Vulcan and it takes longer on Vulcans. But she's frustrated and she goes to confront Mud and the brig. But he has escaped using her phaser. So she tracks him down to the shuttle bay where he kidnaps her and escapes to the nearby planet the Enterprise is now investigating. But during their altercation in the shuttle bay, some of his crystals were broken. And the mist from them gets the ventilation ducts. And infects many members of the ship, including Scotty, Bones, Kirk, and the rest of the bridge crew. So suddenly it's finally kicked in. Spock is now madly in love with Nurse Chapel, and he insists he must be included in the away team to go rescue her from mud. And Kirk allows it because he sees how determined Spock is and in love, apparently. And down on the planet, Kirk also seems to feel the effects of the love crystals uh, for Spock, but just in a friendly manner, because that's, as Mud says, it only affects you in a love way if you're opposite sexes. 
Um, but as they get to Mud and Chapel, they find them on the planet. These two big rock creatures attack them. And meanwhile, back in the Enterprise, the whole ship is distracted by falling in love with each other, and they don't answer the hails from the away team to beam them back up. Uh, but what Mud doesn't know is that once the love crystals wear off, they cause the former lovers to start to hate each other and bicker for a while, adding to adding to the complications of everything going on. So Kirk comes up with a plan to distract the rock monsters by breaking the last remaining love crystals on them. And this makes one of them fall in love with Kirk and start fighting off the other rock creature to protect him. <laughs> and this distracts them long enough for the Enterprise crew to re- um, to recover and they can beam them back on aboard. And Chapel then takes a recording of Mud's confession of all his misdeeds, and he is sent back for rehabilitation, and we're all good again. <laughs> so, Steve, what do you think of this episode? Uh, so, some things I liked. Uh, I love Mud, one of my favorites in the original series. To see him back again is great. And selling love potions this time, man. <laughs> what a Mud thing. Yeah. I like that they established that people can sue each other still <laughs> here. He actually threatens to sue Kirk. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. That's just in there. Uh, <laughs> well, there is no I money. love the, the cat lady all over Scotty. Oh, yeah. Like that, that, that was just a great little interaction. Uh, and is this, so this is like, uh, I guess, an overall trick question. Is this the episode where all the Spock Kirk romance fan fiction started? Oh no! Is it started this the episode that made it all happen. <laughs> it started actually in between the original series ending and the animated series starting. They uh, that fan fiction got pretty rampant, so this might be a nod to that. <laughs> like, because after they touched the crystals, like, there's some very like I know he mentioned like men become best friends, but there was some like very homoerotic kind of tone oh, stuff yeah. there that happened. <laughs> I feel the same way about uh, you, Spock. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I loved the cool giant monsters and just a great example of something they never could have done on the original series. Oh yeah. Uh, and I loved that. We got to see like bones getting ready to bone. <laughs> Very Did exciting. I tell you about the one time I saved Kirk and the one time I saved Spock? <laughs> uh, some things I struggled with a little bit. Um, it's one of those things where like, I thought money didn't exist in the Federation and it doesn't because the, you know, the miners, they're paying mud, but they're outside of the Federation. Right. But so then they have to explain why the Federation still, for some reason has jurisdiction here. And then I was like, if you could literally be in the Federation and have everything you needed replicated for you, like why the hell wouldn't you join the Federation? <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have the one I line that understand. says, um, we can't arrest him here. He has to turn himself in because we don't have jurisdiction here. They did say that. So he only turns himself in because they turn the crowd against him. And that way he turns himself in willingly because otherwise they couldn't arrest him legally. Um, seeing Nurse Chapel's foray with Spock and remembering there was still there was some of that in the original series, too. Yeah. Made me want to them like it made me mad. It makes me mad realizing that, like, they didn't put her in the Kelvin reboot. That's true. Like, that sucks. What a loss. And we that I would have preferred that romance with Spock to get to see that explored. Well, if you watch Strange New Worlds, everything feels so out of so out of left field now. If you watch Strange New Worlds, the new TV show, they do have Nurse Chapel and Spock is there as well, and they do explore it. They're starting to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to know. But yeah, it just made me like so mad at the Kelvin timeline. I get it. Um, 
And then the other one final thing back to the, to the trope of like a women's wills being the downfall of the entire crew. <laughs> like her inability to like, to resist Spock or resist the temptation to use the love potion. Like it felt so like, ah, the weak choices of a woman are the downfall of us all again. Like, God damn it, people. Yeah. It really did take the authority away. I thought from we left Chapel. that in the real show. That sucks. It absolutely stripped, stripped her authority. And that sucked. So many and this may and maybe I'm just noticing it more, but there's so many of these animated episodes where like a woman plays a much larger role and has way more lines and way more exposure to camera time and then ends up like being either the problem or not part of the solution. Like we just reviewed that other one with Uhura where she got kidnapped and I was like, oh, we get like a good Uhura episode and she gets to do her stuff and that didn't happen. Right. It's almost like we're 10 years down the line now from the um, original series so women are getting at least more screen time and lines, but they're still not giving the, you know, the agency and authority that they should get later on. But they still play all those old tropes. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. And I thought the same kind of things that uh, I, I didn't like how they just kind of destroy the mining planet ha- with one before they leave. Like they leave this huge giant trench in the planet for some reason. Um, I did love the one little scene that was my favorite part of this whole episode was when they, they are trying to call to get beamed up. And they go up, they show the uh, the transporter chief dancing with some lady in the transporter room to smooth jazz. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, just uh, the fact they made Jersh Chapel immoral enough to go drug Spock to make her love her. That was just doesn't make doesn't fit with her character. Um, but yeah, I liked having mud back. And I think it was a pretty solid middle episode for me. I don't know. What do you think as far as rating wise? I don't know. I feel like the further into the animated series we get, the less I'm liking it. Like I feel like the first episodes that we watched were really good and refreshing, and the further in we get, the more I'm like, ah, all right. That might be the case. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it doesn't continue. Like I hope the trend doesn't continue because I was so jazzed on this for like the first three or four episodes, and I feel like it's just been downhill since then. I can't remember honestly if it gets any better, so we'll see. <laughs> Good. Uh, so for trivia, we have not much, but uh, it was the original actor who played Mud, Roger C. Carmel, who reprised his voice for this role. Um, he's uncredited, though, in the episode, which is crazy. And uh, Mud mentions that he escaped the android planet that Kirk left him on to be paroled. And that was directly from the original series episode, I, Mud, his second yep. episode. So it's kind of cool. They call directly back to that planet that he that Kirk left him on. But that's pretty much it. There wasn't much else as far as behind the scenes for this one. But uh, got any Trek connection, Muppet connections for us? Oh, boy, do I. Well, Mark Hamill and Sir Patrick Stewart uh, did an Uber Eats commercial together a few years ago. And as part of that, did a co-interview with the Men's Journal and sort of talked about the responsibility and role of leading men in sci-fi. There's some good pictures of the two of them together. Uh, after Shatner went to space a few years ago, he tweeted at Mark Hamill saying that he should do he should do it next. <laughs> nice. uh, and then both Leonard Nimoy and Mark Hamill have provided voices for the game Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. And Transformers. I played any of those games. They both do. I, maybe they didn't do Transformers at the same time. Not the same time, but yeah, Leonard You're Nimoy right. definitely Nimoy did, did voices. The third of the movies. And Mark Hamill's been in some of the newer animated stuff. That's true. So even more connections. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. 
Well, it makes sense because they're basically the same damn episode. It's true. I mean, uh, both episodes have characters expressing their love for another. Uh, Spock to Nurse Chapel on Star Trek and the Shepherd Man to the Shepherd Woman on Muppet Show. Okay. Uh, both involve missing crew members held against their will. Nurse Chapel being taken by mud and Chewbacca being captured by Dirth Nader. And that was my second one. <laughs> Eat it. Uh, both feature strange love interests we'll never see again. The cat lady with Scotty and Piggy with Luke Skywalker. Oh, there's rule 34. We'll, we'll see it again out there somewhere. Oh, it's there. <laughs> oh, now it's time. Oh, God. Transporter ah! malfunction. Transporter so All right, it's time of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? So both of mine are the same, <laughs> just in reverse. I would love to take Luke Skywalker and replace Captain Kirk and then take Kirk and replace Luke Skywalker in this episode. <laughs> I think it would work so perfectly. Uh, Kirk over just like overacting Shatner playing it very serious at the Muppet show while a funnier version of him does song and dance. I like it. And then just animated Luke Skywalker running around with a blaster that doesn't work, <laughs> threatening Harry Mud repeatedly. <laughs> like I would have loved it. I can see that. Uh, for Trek to Muppets, I have Harry Mud transporting over to take the place of Angus McGonagall, the Gershwin gargling gargoyle. <laughs> Because I think Mud would find a way to perform the hell out of that. <laughs> I could get on board with that. Yeah. And then Muppets of Star Trek, I have Chewbacca to come over and replace Kirk. I think he would lead that landing party to get Nurse Chapel and easily handle Mud and the rock monsters in his own way. I think Chewbacca. Just go in there and Chewbacca just shows up and handles shit. He just handles shit. All right. <laughs> but that brings us to the end of episode 90 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Christopher Reeve. An animated series episode, The Terratin Incident. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.